You're listening to SBS News. Herberton is a small town in the Queensland Tablelands region, a hundred kilometres south of Cairns. And this is where, in 1873, an acrobat from Tokyo started a family. This is the story of Sakuragawa Rikinosuke, who seems to be the first documented Japanese migrant to Australia. Gavin Dikinoski lives on Queensland's Sunshine Coast, and he grew up thinking his family name was from Poland. Until one day, he learned he actually owes it to a Japanese man. I, I recall um, people would say to me, um, Dikinoski, where does that come from? And, and people would say, oh, that's Polish. And, and I would sort of always say, oh, no, no, I think it's Russian. I had no idea that I had Japanese heritage, and I think that's pretty much a, um, a bit of a common theme throughout the entire Dikonoski family. We saw on previous episodes that most early migrants to Australia had their names mangled by clerks who wrote down their names as they heard it, often very differently from how it would actually be written, and especially when it used a different alphabet than the Latin one used in English. When a man called Rikinosuke arrived in Melbourne from Japan in 1873, he became an extreme example. On Australian papers, Rikinosuke became Dikinoski. The rumour is that he was picked up by a gentleman that was on the, on, on the dock somewhere in Australia and when they were transcribing the names on the register, the manifest or whatever it is when they came into Australia, they couldn't spell or understand the pronunciation of the names. Most elements of the story of Sakuragawa Rikinosuke were gathered by another of his many descendants, Steve Dawson, whose mother bore the misspelled Polish-sounding family name he was given in Australia, Dikinoski. My mother and her siblings grew up believing that they had Polish ancestry. His name was Sakuragawa Rikinoske. He's my uh, great-great-grandfather. He had also uh, taken on an English name, which was Reginald. So Reginald Sakuragawa Rikinoski. Sakuragawa Rikinosuke came to Australia with a son, who anglicised his name as Ewa Rikinoski. He then married an Irish woman, probably the reason why they remained in Australia. After arriving in July 1873, within three years, Sakuragawa met and married uh, an Irish barmaid in Melbourne named Jane Kerr. And they started uh, a family very quickly. So within nine years, they had four children and Sakuragawa had decided to settle in Queensland. Steve Dawson says it may have been his second family and that his first son, Ewa, may have been adopted in Japan prior to his departure as well. I do know that he was married. He had a wife in Japan before he came out to Australia, but I understand that she died. He arrived uh, with a seven-year-old boy who was his son, but we're not sure whether there was a biological connection there or he was adopted. He shares another fascinating fact about Sakuragawa and his son Ewa. They were circus artists. They had two special performances. One was called the slack wire, and it would swing and they could bounce on it and they would balance while this wire was moving. And they had perfected it to the point where he uh, would do this on a piano wire. The other performance that they were well known for, it was called the ladder act. 
would have a ladder uh, on his shoulders and on top of the ladder would be balancing on top and doing all sorts of maneuvers. Soon Sakuragawa, his wife and his children toured Queensland and beyond as the Dikinoski Circus Troupe. Many flyers announcing their performances still exist and even a picture of him with Ewa. Dr. Yuriko Nagata has researched the history of relations between Australia and Japan and she has cooperated with Steve on his work on Sakuragawa. She was not surprised to learn he was a circus artist. For a long time, 200 some years, Japan was secluded. You know, they shut the door and nobody was allowed to uh, leave the country. So as soon as Japan lifted that policy, one of the first people who left the country was acrobat. Dr. Nagata gives us a bit more background on the life of Sakuragawa. I think in one of uh, the archival records say that he was from Tokyo area. So he was either the leader or anyway the uh, uh, important member of the acrobat troupe. It, in general, circus performers are from poor families. You know, performing is one way of earning money. So how did the Japanese troupe of acrobats end up in Australia in the first place? Steve Dawson tells how Sakuragawa's troupe ended up in a vessel bound for Melbourne. At the time, there were a number of businessmen, entrepreneurs in Japan, from France, UK, the US. And these businessmen included circus managers. The vessel that they actually boarded travelled first to India. From there, they were to go directly to the UK. However, the entrepreneurs would trade contracts. So fate had it that their contract was traded to a British entrepreneur from a French entrepreneur. And the British entrepreneur named Thomas King actually then brought them directly to Australia. So it was just by chance. Sakuragawa died in 1884 and is buried at Rockwood Cemetery in Sydney. His son Ewa took the lead of the Dikinoski Circus Troupe and its growing family. He himself had 11 children. Their fate, however, became darker as the 20th century unraveled, bringing with it a major change the white Australia policy. Sakuragawa had no problem being naturalized, but Ewa only applied after the white Australia policy was adopted and never managed to get citizenship. Elisha Ray works with Nikkei, an association of people of Japanese descent, and she also helped Steve Dawson in his research. She says the end of Ewa's life was tragic. We had a lot of bad luck in terms of the way that Japanese people were treated in Australia at that time. They didn't have a lot of rights. They didn't have like citizenship rights. So he he couldn't become an Australian citizen. He did spend a bit of time with some of his adult children, like staying with them. Uh, he was apparently on, um, I think it's Dunwich Island in Moreton Bay, uh, which was like a mental asylum that he um, he passed away there. And he was penniless and he was stateless and he was buried in the as tensions between the British and Japanese empires grew, the Dikinoskis began actively hiding their origins. Steve Dawson, a great-grandson of Ewa, believes his tragic experience led the rest of the family to cut off their roots, including putting an end to their career as a circus troupe. 
I feel that he made a conscious decision and may have instructed his 11 children to not reveal their Japanese heritage and also to not talk about the circus life because the circus life was actually directly linked to their Japanese heritage. And once World War II started, thousands of people of Japanese descent were interned in Australia. The Dikinoskis escaped this fate only because their mixed ancestry hid their Asian features, and their strangely spelled name did not seem Japanese. Marjorie Dean is another descendant of the Dikinoski family, and she speaks of the history of the family during the war. During the war years, a lot of Japanese and Italian descendants were put in internment camps, and I think my father was always worried about that. My father disappeared for a while. We don't know where he was. Well, I don't anyway as a child. And I do wonder if he was hiding because of the internment. And one of my aunties, who in later life looked very Japanese, used to move house all the time. And I believe that was why, because she was also afraid. And this is when the memory of the family faded. Bearing another name and having no experience of the circus life anymore, the next generation knew nothing about their Japanese heritage. Like Steve Dawson and Gavin Dikinoski, Marjorie Dean had no idea about the existence of Sakuragawa Rikinosuke until late in her life. My mother, father and brother had all passed away and I was in Brisbane at my brother's funeral and a cousin, I met up with her and she told me all about this history. Well, I was quite excited, but I was also very angry that my parents never told me anything. I feel quite proud that he was, um, I think he was the first Japanese person to be made an Australian citizen and I think that's really something to be proud of in our ancestry. But Sakuragawa and Ewa would be happy to know they were not forgotten in the end, as an astonishingly large number of people now trace back their ancestry to them. And they are all enchanted at the discovery, eager to research their life and to carry their legacy. Nowadays, Kevin Dikinoski knows exactly where he comes from. I sort of just go there sometimes and I'll just stand there and just think about the the pain and upset that must have been there, ponder the, the, the stories that um, at least I guess now when somebody says where are you from, Poland or Russia, I can say no Japanese and, and give them a bit of an explanation as to, as to how the whole thing happened. In contrast with the dark days of the white Australia policy that almost erased their memory, Sakuragawa and his family are now an entire part of the life of a large Australian family. I am Julien Oyer from SBS, bringing this podcast series to you. Each episode is about the earliest documented person to settle in Australia permanently that we managed to identify from each community. If you are aware of someone who settled even earlier, or the first migrant from any other community, we would love to hear from you and welcome your story. Please write to us at radio.news at sbs.com.au. 